Ma Coco? Aye. For Maui, it's a new beginning. With honor and deep respect, we're moving forward. We're ready to get people back to work. We all have to do our part, and we'll make this happen. Working together. We are ready to work. Ready to serve. All ready. 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 We are ready. For more information, visit makokomoe.com. gang thanks for checking out this edition of our tell me a story podcast this time it's all about the happiest sounding instrument on earth the popularity of the ukulele seems to come in waves and it's riding another one well let me introduce you to the man who made a career out of teaching the ukulele to the world anyone who plays the ukulele has heard the catchy name Jumpin' Jim. Jim Beloff is the man behind the world's most popular series of ukulele songbooks. I think that we've published over 30 different titles. Uh, and we have a million of our Jumpin' Jim songbooks in, in print. Man who wrote a symphony. Beloff's fascination with the ukulele began when he bought his first one at a flea market 30 years ago. It changed his life and led to his company that he named Flea Market Music. I used to say it's a little bit like Fred Astaire meeting Ginger Rogers. I finally found my dancing partner when it came to songwriting. Beloff's prolific publishing and performing are just parts of his ukulele puzzle. He's recorded albums, worked with some of the world's best players, and even composed a symphony for the youth. We have a book of Baroque music, Bach and Vivaldi, all arranged for My Dog Has Fleas. He's also written more than 50 songs with Hawaii ukulele legend Ota-san. And we're, st we're still writing. Uh, I think we've written three or four songs uh, this year alone. During the pandemic, Beloff and his wife Liz compiled the first comprehensive visual history of the ukulele, a book called Uktopia, Adventures in the Ukulele World. Beloff also has a big ukulele collection. Uke enthusiast George Harrison once visited his home and jammed with Jim. Harrison wrote a note that's in the Uktopia book. We had our Beatlemania moment. <laughs> Beloff lives in Connecticut, where he's working on another compilation of ukulele arrangements. There are great songs that everybody knows that I have not put in the other two, and with any luck, that'll be out in nine months to a year. Beloff says never in a million years could he have imagined where the ukulele would take him. And Jumpin' Jim is still making music. Jim Beloff? I don't know. I'll ask him. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm a few different things to a few different people. To some people, I'm jumping Jim. Uh, to my wife and family and friends, I'm just, uh, I'm Jim. Uh, 
I love it. Um, and before I ask you about the ukulele and the, and the important role it's played in your life, this is a family thing. It's not just Jim, but it's you and your wife, right? You know, it's actually even more than that because uh, my wife and I started it, but then, um, you know, we started it 30 years ago. So 30 years ago, if you can stretch that far back, uh, you may recall that ukuleles were, were not easy to come by. Uh, they weren't uh, they weren't instantly available in every music store, and if they were, they weren't all that great uh, quality wise. So um, after a little bit, I, I aroused the interest uh, uh, of manufacturing them in my brother-in-law, who was an engineer, and uh, and they're still in business, very much in business uh, as the Magic Fluke Company up in Sheffield, Massachusetts, making what we call the fluke and flea ukuleles and even a, a banjo you call the firefly. And then my dad, who has always been a huge supporter of everything that both my sister Phyllis and I have done, uh, he took it up and, uh, and for the last 20 years had an ukulele group that played all these senior centers and raised money uh, for all good causes. So, uh, so it has been a family affair, really, truly, for, for 30 years. All through the week, he talks insurance, selling the public peace of mind. Why do you love that instrument so much, Jim? Um, you know, I, I, I think if I, if, if I unspool the years, the, the initial attraction um, is uh, as a songwriting tool. Putting aside, and all of the other stuff that happened was really somewhat accidental. Um, what what happened was that I was a longtime guitarist, you know, through the pivotal '60s and '70s singer-songwriter years, and uh, then I got real interested in musical theater, and um, and I, I continued to write musicals on the guitar. So I was, you know, was a decent guitarist um, and loved it, um, but I took a real a real keen interest, not only in musical theater, but also in the Great American Songbook. And um, and I decided that that's where my future lay as a songwriter. I loved the constraints that the Great American Songbook songwriters were working within. And that means pure rhyme, you know, clean scansion, uh, organized songs around often the AABA structure, but all the musical theater um, kinds of songs and uh, imagery and, and all of the traditions that went along with it. And oddly enough, even though it has two fewer strings, it seemed as if when I discovered the ukulele, that that seems to support that kind of songwriting more so than the guitar, which in a way had its own baggage, but more associated maybe with folk music and pop music. And the uke, if you go, if you go back long enough, you realize that a lot of that old sheet music, all of those great American songbook songs, when they came out, oftentimes it included ukulele chord frames, and so that's what it, that's the initial attraction. I thought, wow, this it's like I used to say it's a little bit like Fred Astaire meeting Ginger Rogers. I finally found my dancing partner when it came to songwriting. instrument just continues to amaze with four strings uh it's just an amazing amazing instrument and what you can do with it and people continue to push the boundaries let's get a little bit about your resume and what you have done uh centered around ukulele yeah sure um 
you know, uh, the, the, the short story is that we find a, a Martin tenor ukulele in 1992 uh, at the Rose Bowl flea market in Pasadena, California, where, where we had just moved. I was working for Billboard magazine at the time. And, uh, and I fall in love with this thing. And I find a whole bunch of out of print songbooks and we start playing through them. And I'm thinking, why, why are there no materials for this instrument? And in 1992, if you mentioned the U word, as, as, as my wife and I call it, uh, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction, of course, was Tiny Tim at the, at the time. Uh, and, and people would instantly start singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. So that was the association. And, um, and so we, we, we uh, got the attention of a company called Hal Leonard, which is a major print music publisher out of the Midwest. Um, we attracted an editor and an agent, and we built a team of people who could, who could you know, com compile, and I arranged, and I compiled, and then found engravers and, uh, and a whole team to help put out these songbooks, and they started to sell really well at a time when many people thought that the ukulele was kind of on the way out. And and suddenly there there's interest. There's enough interest for us to keep publishing these little books. And one thing leads to another. Then there's a company called um, Homespun, which is based up in Woodstock, New York, and they were well known for doing instructional videos and DVDs. And so they said, well, gee, we've never done an ukulele DVD, and so uh, let's do that. And and then I'm a songwriter, so I'm starting to release, you know, write for the instrument and release CDs full of my songs. And then it just goes crazy because my brother-in-law says, you know, starts to notice that there's a lot of interest. And he says, and I keep telling him, you know, it's hard, you know, people will come up to us and say, you know, all right, you've convinced me. So where do I go to get an ukulele? And and believe it or not, in the early days, I would tell people, go to a go to a flea market, go to a tag sale, or go into your grandmother's attic, because there's a good chance there'll be one up there. But that was kind of, believe it or not, it wasn't. I wasn't first saying go to your music store to get one because there there really weren't any, and uh, so then my brother-in-law starts ma manufacturing these instruments called the flukes and fleas, and um, I I eventually it's there's so much activity that I eventually leave Billboard and decide to to go full time into this instrument, and then that leads to all sorts of things that I never in a million years imagined, including write a writing a concerto for for ukulele and symphony orchestra and having that debut in 1999 and uh, meeting some incredible people along the way. Show everyone what you can do. Look, everybody is a part of you. Uh, your ties to Hawaii. You come, you go to Hawaii. You come, I should say, you come to Hawaii often, don't you? Well, when we lived in Los Angeles, we now we live in Connecticut, but when we lived in Los Angeles, we we came at least, you know, every six months. And it was a, you know, it wasn't it's a quick flight, as you know. Uh, now that you're in Oregon, it's not that bad, four or five hours. And um, and we loved it. We had we had, of course, over time developed a number of wonderful relationships with people, um, people who were pals and also people who were really helpful in terms of our our developing um 
our, our, our business. Um, one in particular was a gentleman named Alan Yoshioka who worked at Harry's Music Store. And he was one of our first big, big supporters. And it was actually Alan who uh, on our first trip over there said, have you ever heard of Lyle Ritz? And uh, I hadn't. And, and, that, and I, when we got back to LA, I went to a vintage uh, vinyl store and found How About Ook that Lyle had put out in 1957 on Verve Records. And that was the turning point. That's when I thought, oh my goodness, this instrument is sorely misunderstood. I bet most people have no idea what can be done, uh, especially jazz wise. This was a cool record. And for those who are watching, if you're curious and you're not familiar with Lyle Ritz, you can pull him up on Spotify. Lyle, R-I-T-Z is his last name. And um, and that was the beginning of a, eventually of a wonderful relationship, getting to know Lyle and publishing uh, three books of his and putting out a couple of albums for him and writing songs with Lyle as well. And um, and so I'm I'm indebted to Lyle. I'm indebted to a lot of people, um, but Lyle is definitely at the top of the list. With their brushes and canvases, they come. Painters painting the sound. What are you working on now? Ah, um, actually, <laughs> I was I was thinking. You know, I think we've done it. Um, <laughs> but then we went to the Nam show uh, just this June, and uh, we had a meeting with Hal Leonard, who we're still, you know, very much with after thirty years. And they said. Our most successful songbook by far is something called The Daily Ukulele, and it's got 365 songs, and it was really targeted towards the ukulele club community. At the time, in 2010, there was this phenomenon, not just in the U.S., but all over the world of groups of especially semi-retired and retired folks who realized that this was a great instrument to play sort of in your later years, easy to learn, and you got to sing great fun songs. And so people, you know, this became a phenomenon. Um, and, and yet they didn't really, you know, there weren't many materials for these folks who were kind of mostly beginner or advanced beginner. So I thought, what about putting out a big book of songs that pretty much everybody knows with easy arrangements and make it an easy book to use. It has a big spiral binding and doesn't fall apart and all of that stuff. So that was a huge hit. And it was such a hit that we then did a follow-up called the Leap Year Edition <laughs> with 366 more. And then, um, and then I thought, we've done it. And then at, at NAM this year, they said, yeah, could you do another? another another book and so i thought god come up with another 365 unduplicated songs and i'm already at 450 so i have to call them back but but the answer is yes they're out there there are great songs that everybody knows that i have not put in the other two and with any luck that'll be out in nine months to a year it's called the daily ukulele another year um <laughs> but so that is a big for us to do a project like that with you know big fat book with you know another 365 songs I, I need a big team to help me do that so that's the that's the primary project right now
Well, Jim, it's been an honor talking to you. Really, really good conversation. Um, and all the best with, with the future projects on your four strings. And I know you'll come up with something else. You're a creative fellow. <laughs> it's well, hard I to sit still when you got a flea in your hand. <laughs> Well, yeah, and also, you know, for the I, look, I'm. Uh, I, this is true for virtually anyone I've ever met in the ukulele world who does this for a living. But, um, but you're just so grateful to be able. You know, every day I am grateful that that, that I can I can pay the bills with something that I love to do. I mean, and with and, and with music, which is. It's not easy to pay the bills with music. And so I am eternally grateful to all the people that have uh, have supported us over the years, you know, purchasing our books and things like that and supporting what we do. And and eternally grateful to the island of Hawaii for for introducing me to this instrument. And uh, and so anyway, it's, it's just a delight to be able to uh, to do what we do. You can find all of Jumpin' Jim's ukulele books at his website, fleamarketmusic.com. Well, that's it for this Tell Me a Story. And don't forget to check out all of our other podcasts. For show producer Davis Pittner, I'm Jim Mendoza. We'll see you next time.